Shulk Yates is a self-proclaimed towering giant of the energy business. After graduating magnum cum laude, laude daude, we like to party from Rice University with a BA in political science and plenty of BS. He later ran product design for Apple where Steve Jobs proclaimed him so valuable that if Chuck left, I'd be reduced to wearing nothing but black turtlenecks for all time. Chuck joined the Houston office of Stevens Incorporated, the Little Rock, Arkansas Investment Bank, where he strove to do well, but not well enough to get promoted to Little Rock. After figuring out he was a really crappy investment banker, he moved on to the principal side of business, where he fared not much better. But as everyone who has spent more than 30 seconds with Chuck knows, he did the legendary Silver Heel deal. Interestingly enough, Chuck once won a bet from Superman, where the loser had to wear his underwear on the outside of his clothes. Despite all of these achievements, in the post-COVID spring of 2020, Chuck was shit-canned from his gig as a managing partner. It did make Wall Street Journal, so at least he had that going for him. Time to pay some bills now. Here's a word from our sponsor. Sponsor? Who would buy this crap? Dude, who do you think you are, Ed McMahon? I've done dinner theater in Waco. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by LandmanLife.com, the official parody swag store of hashtag EFT and hashtag FinTwit. Our gear is designed by an all-American team of creative alcoholics and sourced with the most petroleum-intensive measures possible to bring you a superior product at a lower price. We adhere to the strictest privacy procedures around to ensure that your identity is safe because Anon lives matter. For a limited time, use promo code Chuck Needs a Job for 5% off your order. Hey listeners, it's your host Chuck Yates. I'm really glad you're here. This is the first episode, Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. I have no idea how my dear sweet mother has remained so incredibly naive through all these years of raising four boys. My friend Fish, who you'll meet in just a second, says, well, clearly it's because Jay and Kenny are such nice boys, and <laughs> maybe so. I think I hid things pretty well from my mom. I think maybe when my brother Bobby came along, she was just so tired and she just missed it all. But the reason I tell you guys this story is because my mom and I spent an hour and a half last night learning how to download a podcast because she was just like, Chuck, I'm so proud of you hosting a podcast. I can't wait to listen to every episode. So I've got some good news for you and some bad news, listeners. The bad news is, if you think this is going to be the Chuck Yates meltdown, you're not going to happen. I think we're keeping it PG-13. My mother is listening, guys. The good news, though, and I shall quote my mother, I don't do the Twitter. Nimble Fatty will remain Nimble Fatty on Twitter.
So I was reading up on podcasts. So supposedly the ideal length, 46 minutes. So we're going to shoot for 46 minutes on this bad boy. And the other thing is the first podcast has to be autobiographical. And I'm like, all right, what does that mean? So what I thought I would do is I thought I'd invite my best friend in here. This is James Fisher, formerly of Opportune, and we'll get into that. But now, more importantly, with Ascentia. So we want to get into that. And did y'all just not have enough money for the L? Was that what happened? All the good consulting names are gone. So you, you, they, they, all the words end up being kind of made up. So yeah. Well, that's, okay. that's, that's the way it works now. But uh, I'm very excited to be here. This is I can this tell. Is, this is uh, this, this is something that clearly you've been uh, kind of looking to do your entire life. So Nobody likes to hear themselves it. speak more than me. That's so fair. So I was talking to Fred this morning. Our friend Fred Benson, who we uh, went to Rice with, and uh, Fred's like, I can see why Fish wants to be on there. He just wants everyone to think he's funny. And uh, I said, Yeah, you're right. And Fred goes, You jumped in pretty quick on that. So yeah. If I get nine words in this whole thing, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's start this off. Where'd we meet? Uh, we met actually after graduation. Um, and there was before everyone started work. And it was a summer of a lot of drinking. And, and it just kind of continued. And the the whole reason we didn't meet at Rice, why didn't we meet at Rice? Because I hated it and left. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And That's went, code for I failed out. Yeah, it's not code for I failed out. And I went to the uh, glorious University of Texas, which you With, also did not like. Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll get to my uh, six weeks in law school at some point. But was there a stop or two in between? Rice and UT? In between. You know, there's a, there's a University of Houston stop. There's some HCC stop. It's a, there's a lot of stops. Was there like a school in the Southwest Conference you didn't go to? Is I, that the shorter I list? I wanted to go to all of them. <laughs> but it was during the time that they were all kind of changing. So it, it, it made it more complicated. I got you. So you went to Rice. I went to Rice. Ultimately, the overlap in friends, that's where we met and, and all that sort of stuff. So, okay. Then, like, why did we become friends? I laughed at most of your jokes. Um, Both of them. I gave you, uh, you know, some some quiet time. Um, <laughs> you know, it. it I, I think that that we had a lot of friends in common. Um, you now, all of the, I, I didn't find you truly obnoxious, which I think made it was a little bit different than everyone else. But uh, you know, ultimately. I know what a lot of people may not know. You're a pretty good dude. So that's that's kind of it. You were like an only child. <laughs> that was, that was, that that's was, the other part. That, that yeah. was the issue. Yeah. yeah. There, there were no brothers. There was just, just I just need, I just wanted, wanted to listen to somebody. So. I, I have three brothers. So, you know, I was just kind of used to it and all that. So, uh, okay. So we become friends. Um what stories can we actually tell? You know, we got the lecture earlier about being on our best behavior. Um, do we jump to wedding stories? It's, it's probably best. I mean, I you know, and and so you Chuck know, and Fish, the missing years. Yeah, we'll, we'll just, do that. We'll do that sometime. Later. But but I mean, so so look the 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 general Yates um, way of doing things is you get your brother to be your best man. Um, 
I don't have any brothers, uh, so I I I pick my best friend, and so, um, you know, so Chuck was my best man, uh, which, you know, for everyone that knows Chuck, th- there's always some risk, and you know the the risk is there's a speech, and Chuck has a microphone, and so that that was always the risk. Are you? Are you going to let me tell the rehearsal dinner story? Or? You can you can tell the rehearsal dinner only if I can jump in. Okay, fair fair enough. So let me let me set the stage on this because if I do say so myself, I think this was my crowning achievement outside of my three kids being born and blah blah blah. But crowning achievement. So we're at the rehearsal dinner, and. I'm kind of known for my potty mouth and all this. So leading up to the rehearsal dinner, I've had, what, three sit-downs with you about all of my family's going to be there. More importantly, Peggy's family is going to be there, aunts, uncles, and more importantly, Peggy's going to be there, and I need you to be on your best behavior and all that. So, hey, Jonathan, yeah. one, one, go back one step. Yeah. The first disclaimer for this that we need to make sure is is in there. You and I both absolutely love my wife. Adore her. More than anything in the world. Adore her. She's absolutely best still to this day. Absolutely. Yes. No, totally, totally agreed. That's why I think we can tell this story. So we're sitting there, had those, uh, had those discussions. Now we need to step back. So the Foo Fighters. They're doing their first tour. You've seen the Rolling Stones stuff about Dave Grohl. They were in a van and all that sort of stuff. And so if folks are here, know uh, Houston, know the club numbers. You know, it may hold 800 people, right? So it was sold out. Somehow we got tickets that night. So we go see the Foo Fighters, and it's me, Kim, you, and my assistant, Jessica. And so y'all met that night and we go to the Foo Fighters. We had dinner before and all that. And right in the middle of I'll stick around, I looked over and you and Jessica were just mugging down on the dance right there on the floor. What a nice girl. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very pleasant. Um, and so the, the audience needs to know that story as the, as the backdrop. So we get to the rehearsal and, and actually it was a week later. I think you went out on your first date with Peg. Is that true, or is that too close, or is this a is is month. this a Jonathan? It's a month. A Jonathan edit. It's but a month. It's yeah. a month. Okay. So, with that as the backdrop, we're at the rehearsal dinner, right? And we're sitting there, and it's time for me. You know, uh, Peg's maid of honor gets up, gives this gore, you know, really beautiful speech, and all that sort of stuff. You're glaring at me, don't you know? Doing the don't blow this thing. I get up there. And my first thing I think my opening was is so nice to be here. Peggy, you have such lovely aunts. You know, everybody kind of, ah. So I start telling the story. I go, I look back in my friendship with Fish, and I really recall the night we all went to the Foo Fighters. And the glare that I got from you sitting on the front row was just like, don't you dare. And I started talking about that night. We went, we had dinner. It was a great concert. We could tell it was an emerging band. And I looked over on the dance floor in the middle of the concert. 
I think at that point you're about ready to pass out. You're red, you're sweating, you're glaring at me, you're behind, you know, kind of pegs back doing your fist and all this sort of stuff. And at that moment, right when I said, I look over at the dance floor and you're about to explode. I then went with the line. And I remember that moment looking at fish because a month later he went on his first date with Peggy. And from that moment forward, I had to share my friendship, me, fish and Peggy. And I got the most amazing, oh, that's so sweet. And then I talked about how wonderful it was sharing you with, uh, with Peg and all that. And at the end of the speech, I get this standing ovation. Everybody's clapping. Oh, that was so sweet. I didn't tell a joke the whole time. You're passed out on the floor. Um, I'll, I'll tell my version of this. and We can figure <laughs> out which one of us, uh, which, which version actually works, right? Fair enough. And so. Um, I asked Chuck to be my best man, knowing full well that he gives a speech. Um, Chuck starts talking about a, a, a beautiful moment um, in life and how we were together at a concert and, you know, and, and we, were, we were talking about, about life and he realized at that moment that that's when he was losing his best friend to this, this new relationship. What no one else in the entire place realized is he was talking about a night that we were out before my wife and I started going out where I was mugging with his assistant. All of the nice old ladies, older ladies at the, uh, at the rehearsal dinner, thought it was the most beautiful speech they'd ever heard. Um, the, the boy can talk. I mean, I, I you know, and it was just, it was heartfelt and warm. I had everyone came not up a to joke me. in it. I didn't everyone say a joke came up in to it. me and and told me what a great friend I had, what a wonderful person, and all I could think of is I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> and so. You know, it goes to tell you that there's, there's really, you know, the, some jokes are just, they're just meant for one. And <laughs> so if that's the case, that's the case. But so, you know, I think one of the things, and obviously this is, you know, the first time we're, I'm doing this pod. And what's interesting about that is if you look at the stats, 90% of podcasts don't make it to 10 episodes, right? And uh, I think the over under on us getting getting pods done is like 0.7. So we'll we'll see if we make this uh, this through. But one of the things I want to do is, yeah, I like to sit around, be funny. And, you know, maybe at some time if Josh and David will lighten up, we can actually tell some dirty jokes. But until that time, um, I actually want to talk about stuff that's like relevant to what people are going through. And, you know, don't you know, let's not forecast oil prices or talk about Saudi Arabia or stuff. I'd rather talk about kind of what's going on in our lives and kind of this shared experience. Because if you think about it, I mean, these are weird freaking times. We've all seen the memes of, you know, 13, I'm the worst number. 69, no, I'm the worst number. You know, 2020, hold my beer. You know, we've all seen that stuff. Pandemic, our kids are virtual learning, all that stuff. You know, but the one thing that's hit our industry and our city really tough 
it's just people getting fired. And, um, you know, I got let go by Kane, um, in, in May and all. And so I know you got let go by opportune. So, you know, let's, let's lock arms and actually talk about that. You go first, tell your story. You want me to go first, tell my story. You go first. <sighs> yeah, no. Um, so it was interesting because, you know, Zoom call, you're getting on, you think you're updating people on stuff and, and uh, you get the, okay, we need to go a different direction. Performance has been, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and all that. And it was interesting. It was kind of, it was surreal um, in the fact that you kind of always knew it was going to happen. I mean, anytime you're, you're in finance, you, everybody's been fired, you know, and if you haven't been, it, it means you're not doing something. So you kind of always know it's going to happen. Um, so kind of number one, that was just bizarre. It was almost like an out of body experience having that phone call, but okay, you know, got it. The weirdest thing, though, was the next morning I woke up and what we were doing when we were quarantining was having a 8.30 a.m. call where everybody on the group just got on. I was like, well, I don't get on that anymore, right? Um, and so what I did, and you know what a goofhead I am, I actually spent an hour and a half in my shower and my closet filming a scene-by-scene recreation of the video montage of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Remember that? You know, miss, Love Missile number 11, do, 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 shoot it up and doing the hair up and all that. And that was almost the most fun I think I've had in, in 10 years. And so what, what kind of hit me on getting, getting let go was, and I kind of described it to somebody this way, you know, Sally, my mom had a hip replacement surgery, call it eight years ago. And I was talking to mom and I go, how do you feel mom the next day? And she goes, well, obviously, you know, having a body splayed open and a bone ripped out of me, I don't feel great from that. But she said kind of the chronic sort of pain, the arthritis that I was under, it's just gone. So she's like, I actually feel great. And I don't think I fully appreciated just the amount of stress I was under every day. And so that next morning, it just kind of felt like, felt like something, uh, something was lifted. Um, so I don't want this to come off as I'm bragging because, but in, in my case, getting let go was actually a blessing uh, I think, and I don't mean that to disparage Kane. They're great folks. I left on good terms and obviously do anything I can to, to, to help those guys and want the investors to do well and, and et cetera. It was just, I had no idea how much stress I was under and how much stuff we just kind of had to do because we were a private equity firm. I almost feel like my job was inherited as opposed to, to kind of my own. And I think I handled that all okay. I mean, I definitely had a moment or two where, where, where some, some doubts creeped into my head. But I think the reason I handled it well was, you know, just kind of five years ago going through the separation and unfortunately the divorce with Kim, um, I'd gone through a lot of therapy. My joke is I paid for more therapy than the gross national product of a third world country. 
and I'd read every Brene Brown book and and the like. And I, you know, I always tell people, eh, you don't need therapy. Come to me, get the cliff notes. I'll save you some cash. But you know what? That kind of the core of Brene's thing is we do all the bad stuff we do. We drink too much. We argue, yell at people, all that sort of stuff is because ultimately we don't feel worthy. And so a lot of what I did kind of over the last five years was, you know, figuring out those things that I was deriving my sense of self-worth from and, you know, evaluating, is that right? You know, should I feel good because of my job? Should I feel good because of my marriage, you know, or whatever the case may be, you know, in my case, what it came out to be is, and this is, you know, Patrick Miller, my, my priest, it, it was actually religious in terms of, of a lot of that. It was therapy, but at the same time, it was my sense of self-worth and, and um, Christianity that kind of filled that void and I think put me in a, in a, in a much better spot. So I was, I was as, as horrible as that was to kind of go through it actually, I was lucky and made it easy when I lost my job because my sense of self-worth was not being, you know, the managing partner at, at Kane Anderson. But I will tell you this, I've had a lot of phone calls with people that have let go and you uh, have been let go. And you hear a lot along the lines of, dude, I've never been fired from a job before. Or I've never had a business card without a prestigious name on it, you know. And, uh, and I was like, man, I totally get it. I mean, you know, that's your sense of self-worth. It was wrapped up in your job, which may be the right thing for you. I mean, maybe your job should be your sense of self-worth, but just remember it's temporal, you know? So if you lose it, you're going to feel all those doubts. And, you know, at the end of the day, should we all be feeling doubts about ourselves and that just because, you know, some guy decides to try to eat a bat in China. I mean, seriously, should we all be feeling doubts about ourselves because some dude tries to hump a bat in China and get grief? You know, I mean, that, that caused all of this stuff. So, so that was kind of, that was kind of my setup, what I was going through. So it was, it, it was positive but boy, I could see the other side of that and, and, and why people potentially just feel so bad going through what they were doing. Well, you know, look, there, there are differences, right? Um, I, I, mine was, you know, a, a general reduction in, you know, a firm, uh, a firm that, uh, serve the energy industry. Um, you know, there's less business, so there's less need for people. Um, everyone's going through it. I mean, I, you know, companies big and small. Um, you know, and and you know that you go through all of the the different you know kind of feelings. There's you know all the steps. There's 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 anger. There's bargaining. There's just sadness and, and there is relief, um, you know, and, and you find things that are, that are better. One of the first things you, you find is you got a lot of friends out there and, you know, people that you've, 
lost contact with and you know and it gives you a chance to to reset those things you know and, and they could be they could be friends they could be people you've worked for whomever you, you know what it's interesting you say that because uh kind of on the announcement uh the intro is true i did make the wall street journal that was so cool they spelled my name right um chuck yates is leaving the firm um but I did have a bit of it's a wonderful life type moment. I mean, the folks at YDC, the charity I'm on the board of, the after school literacy program, the executive director called me and said, we got a check today. And I won't, you know, I'll go ahead and say his name because I don't think he's man. David Dollinger. He's a friend of mine. He wrote a check to YDC. And Mary Nell called and said, says, in honor of Chuck Yates, he, you know, all this. And I mean, you're right. I mean, that whole thing of like, cool. And I texted Dollinger and I'm like, you know, dude, I, you know, I never even sent you any business really. And he was like, nah, that's okay. He said, you always let me come to the roast and, and all that. So that, that's been a really good side of it. I agree with you on that. Well, and, and, and look, and I, and I'm not, you know, gonna, gonna, disparage or, or anything but um you know a lot of people are going through this right now you know and and some of them get you know the wall street journal takes note of and some some they don't and but it but it all is is you know kind of that those thoughts of you know what next and and um you know and why and and you know the, this you know what 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 do I want to do? You know who do well, I want to do it? Who do I don't want to do it with? I mean that those are those are all things that that are that are you know that, that periodically you have to go through. Well, and 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 so me, walk me through mechanically. I mean, you get told what happens. I mean, how do you tell Peg? How do you tell Chloe? How do you break it to the kids? You know, you know, it, it, you if for us, and I don't I don't know how. You know, it, it, it works with, with everyone, but for me, you just tell them, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, you know, it, it, there, there are some things that, um, yeah, you, you really are in, in, in this all together. I mean, and that's, and, and that's, you know, that, that's kind of part of it. And, you know, you, the same way you celebrate the good things and, and we'll talk about you know, celebrations later, but, you know, the same way you, you do the celebrations, you, you also do the, the hard stuff. That's what, you know, that, that's what, you know, kind of having a, a support network does for you. Yeah. The, uh, so, you know, with my, with my deal, it, it happened and I called my parents, I think, and I called you probably. I can't remember, but, you know, there was kind of 24 hours of calling the the inner circle. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, and, and I knew it would go this way. You know, I've been at Kane too long, get along with those guys too well. But you just never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, you've got to negotiate your release um, and all that. You know, fortunately, we were usually the fight in a release is about the non-compete and, you know, you as the person leaving doesn't want a non-compete. The firm wants a non-compete when the industry's so bad that even if you wanted to compete, you can't. 
not a lot to go fight about. I was prepared to say, eh, go ahead and just add time to the non-compete. I'll take a lifetime ban from this industry. Just throw in a duffel bag, you know? So anyway, it worked out, but I wanted to, to, to make sure kind of had my arms around where that was going and, and all before I told the family. So it was about three weeks later, I have the kids. And so, you know, oldest son, Charlie's 18, but he's a junior in college. Middle child, Sarah's 14. The, you know, as me and her mother say, we, we really hope Sarah uses her uh, powers for good because she's a smart one. But, uh, and then Kelly, my baby's in seventh grade and uh, she's just the happiest person on the planet, right? So we're in the car, we're driving to go get, uh, go get ice cream because we've got the best ice cream store in the world down in Richmond. So we're driving there and I go, all right, guys, daddy's got some news. And they're like, what? And I go, well, Kane shit canned me. And uh, so I don't have a job anymore. And Charlie, you know, internalizes stuff, right? So I, I kind of look in the rearview mirror and Charlie's just frozen up. And I'm like, Charlie, just so you know, you can still go to college. You're okay. And all that stuff. Charlie kind of <sighs> relieves on that. Kelly, like I said, the happiest person on the planet. Daddy, does this mean we can't go get ice cream? <laughs> no, sweet. We go get ice cream and all that. And Sarah, who's really sharp, really intuitive on business type things and, uh, and all that. Her, her response after having some thought uh, about things uh, was twofold. One, she said, Dad, I think you should drop a diss track on Monday. <laughs> Great. That's what we need. Private equities rapping about, you know, getting dismissed. Um, so that was funny. The, the other thing that, that's funny, and, and uh, hopefully we have Lindsay L., the country music singer. She's a friend of mine on the pod at some point. But the, 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 the nickname prominent businessman Chuck Yates was, was kind of coined in conjunction with, with Lindsay. It was you know, cause I'll go out on tour with her and be a roadie. Right. And, uh, so anyway, I'm being a roadie and I always said, you know, like if the van crashed or something or the club caught fire and there was some horrible thing, it'd be Lindsay L and others died. And I was going to make my assistant Stacy call every media outlet and say, no, it was Lindsay and prominent businessman Chuck Yates. So that's, so she actually got me this placard for uh, my desk that said prominent businessman Chuck Yates. So that's where that whole whole bit comes from. And so Sarah, after about you know, 15 minutes, we're licking our ice cream. You know, Daddy, I thought of something. I'm like, what, what's that, sweetie? I really don't think you can be prominent businessman Chuck Yates anymore because you've been fired. And you just look at her and she's got this beaming smile on her face and, uh, and all that. So that was kind of my, my story of, uh, of telling them. And, I, and I've tried to you know, in terms of dealing with this, I've tried to be upbeat about it. It's a blessing. You know, daddy still has to find something to do. Cause I don't, you know, I don't want to be the pajama guy, right? Hey, what does your dad do? He's the pajama guy. You know, I don't want to be that guy for my kids, but at the, so they need to see daddy working and like, but I also have tried to be really careful just given the pandemic and all the worry that causes um, to not, you know, the couple of moments where I'm sitting around going, oh man, this really sucks. You know, I've tried not to let them, let them see that. So that's, that's kind of been the, uh, 
been the struggle, but any reactions out of the kids rolled with it? You know, I, everyone, everyone has a degree of stress, right? I mean, it's, it is, you know, everyone is old enough. Um, I, I don't, I don't have young kids anymore. I've got, you know, a seventh grader, a senior, and a, and a college kid. And I mean, so, clothes a woman, yeah. Which is and just, so everyone, which everyone, is amazing. Yeah. So every, I mean, you know, every, everyone knows kind of how the world works, and so there's there's always going to be stress. But you know, it 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 is, um, you know, there, there's a lot of of don't worry, um, you know, and you end up having to 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 kind of got kind of help them and which you know which you know ultimately refocuses you know re- refocused me and and so that's you know that that's part of having people that that need you and depend on you makes you not be the pajama guy right you know? and that's and that's you know that that's that's part of it and that's that really ultimately is the best thing so is there is there a story piece of advice something like that that someone else going through this that you'd tell them I mean outside the cliche of keep your head up blah 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 yeah we can all read that Yeah I think that for me um the the thing that you know kind of kind of resonates is that that I've learned is is keep up with people, you know, I mean, it, it, it really, you get, you get so bogged down in life and, and things are going on. And, and even if, if they're really good things and you end up losing, losing track and, you know, maintaining those connections, especially now is, is, is really the most important thing. Well, I mean, the two most powerful words in the English language are "me too," you yeah. know. And yeah. I mean, the the um, you know, if you study Brene Brown's stuff, uh, the the man's pressure point is that he can't fix things, right? So you lose your job, all of a sudden, you know, you can't fix things, and that's where we have a tendency to kind of struggle with our sense of self worth, um, and so. You know, unfortunately, the only way to deal with that shame is words. I mean, shame hates words, so you actually have to, you know, conjure up the ability, the courage, whatever you want to call it, to call your best friend, call your wife, call your kid, and just say, this is what happened. You know, this is. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about that is, you know, 99% of the time, the person you choose to tell that to is your best friend, your wife or whatever. And they either say me too. I had that happen, blah, blah, blah. Or they're accepting of you, um, in that. And what I think one of these big things we find out in these moments is, you know, our sense of self doubt, whether it's we're embarrassed or shamed about something or, you know, this or that, you know, people you're talking to people you're sharing it with, are so forgiving, you know, 
And it's amazing because we would be likewise forgiving in that situation, you know, hey, I'm really embarrassed. I, you know, did this and I got fired. And you'd say, well, that's no big deal, blah, blah, blah. You'll get another job. You, you know, you'd be forgiving and you'll never be that forgiving of yourself. And, uh, and so the ability to sit there and actually talk about it, the shame and deal with that, I mean, that's the game, you know? Yeah, I don't even look at it as, as you know, for, forgiveness. I mean, that, there's, there's and, and, and maybe it's just the, the word, but, you know, there really is so much support out there. I mean, I, I, you know, that's the, you know, you've, you've got family, friends, you know, colleagues, ex-colleagues, whatever it is. And I mean, these are people that, that, you know, you've seen at, at their dark times and, and, you know, their troubles and, you know, it's just all part of the connection. And so, you know, now, now it's just your turn. And so, you know, the, the same people that you've supported over the years, they're going to support you. And I mean, that, that's, you know, and, and that's the thing that, that, you know, I, I think that, that I've learned more than, more than anything out of this is you, you've got to, you know, you, you, you just get so far away from, from people sometimes, you know, with, with job and family and, and, things going on that, you know, you, you need to maintain these, these connections. They, they really are, you, 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 you spent a lifetime building them. So it, it you, you got to maintain. The, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I think the, I think the one thing that really nailed down for me on all this is, man, I like the toys, but I don't need the toys, you know? Uh, I'm sitting there so enjoying being unemployed. I'm not kidding when I say I moved back in with my parents before I go get another job. I mean, it really is. And, and you're right. It's, you figure out, you know, God, this toy's so great and all that. That wasn't great. The, the toy was great because fish and I got to go do something, you know, you figure out that it's that and we can just as easily con two idiots into letting us do a podcast together and have a great time. So, I mean, what the hell? Now let's cut to a quick break so those two idiots can get paid. Our jerky punches gas station jerky in the face. Seriously, this is the best beef jerky you can find. Man up. Take it for a spin. The Blue Ox Beef Jerky Company. Real men eat jerky. America. So my son Charlie and language have always just clicked. He was eight months old. He said his first word. At his first birthday party, he said simple sentences. By the time he was 18 months old, he was speaking in fluent paragraphs. So he was always a little chatterbox. So he was five years old. He had two younger sisters. One was 18 months old. One was a newborn baby. And he really wanted to know where babies came from. So I talked to his primary teacher, and I'm like, what do I do? He's asking where babies come from. And she goes, just give him enough of an answer, because that's all he wants, and he'll go on to the next thing. So he'd say, 
Daddy, where do babies come from? I said, well, when a mommy and a daddy want to have a baby, they have a baby. That wasn't good enough for this kid. He wanted to know how the baby got into mommy's stomach. So I went back and talked to his teacher again. I go, he just won't let it go. He really wants to know how did the baby get into mommy's stomach? And she was like, well, just tell him. And I'm like, he's five years old. She goes, he's fine. Tell him exactly how the baby gets there. So Charlie and I are in bed one night. I'm putting him to bed. And he's like, Daddy, I really need to know, how does the baby get into mommy's stomach? And I'm like, all right, pal. You ready for this? He goes, yeah. And I step through it. Charlie's sitting there next to me. He's giggling. He's covering his head. He's hiding behind the pillow and all that. But anyway, I go through it step by step. And at the end, I go, well, that's how it happens, buddy. Uh, you got any questions? He goes, yeah, Dad, I got one. I go, what's that, pal? And he goes, man, I'd really like to see that. <laughs> Fish, in all seriousness, what's really cool about your story is it does have a happy ending. And um, why don't you tell us about, no, nah, I can't say happy ending, can I? No. Yes. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so, Fish, tell me about the new gig. I'm, you know, happy ending. I'm really excited. Um, you know, I, I, Sencha is a four-year-old consulting firm that, you know, primarily deals in consulting across um, process design, technology implementation, um, software, and, and performance improvement. Um, you know, they're system agnostic. And, and when you call us, when you're bringing in something new, or if... You know the systems you have just aren't giving you what you what you need. These guys have have had a had a run of success and and really help people across the energy space. I get to learn new technology and I can help them get into markets they're trying to enter. That that kind of ticks off everything that I was trying to achieve in in, in a new gig. I'm really happy about it. Cool. The five questions, dude. Why do I think Darth Vader's sitting here? St Steve, can you like do the do it do it for me once? The Luke, I am your father. It's true. Oh wow. <laughs> All right. And fish, I just want you to know you always remember your first. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice being your first. Yeah, that's good. Quit winking at me. Um five questions. You like you said earlier, accounting degree. University of Texas. Mm -hmm. What was the first job? Deloitte and Touche Auditor. Deloitte and Touche Auditor. There you go. So as an accountant, question number one, which government agency has the authority to set acceptable accounting methods in the United States? FASB? Dude, the SEC. Oh, my bad. All right. So normally we do five questions. We're going to go part two. We're going to dummy down the accounting. I didn't, <laughs> realize, I didn't realize I had to do that. All right. Let's try one again. What is the normal balance for an expense account? The, no the normal beginning balance? It's zero. It's a debit. Well, I don't you understand. idiot. <laughs> they're debits and they're credits. You had a 50-50 You had a 50-50 shot. I didn't know what you were asking. Okay, what's it with the bat? Okay. Oh, sorry. We'll, we'll go back. So uh, I'm I'm I was confused by the question. 
Uh, I, I think we bored the audience yeah, enough no, no with kidding. your accounting. No kidding. All right. Question number two. Courtney Love or Shirley Manson? Oh, Courtney Love. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not even a doubt. Uh, Fish's famous line about Courtney Love is always, you know at some point she was dancing for you at a strip club. <laughs> That's probably right. <laughs> She's like a nice lady. Um, question number three. You're one for two. I'll give you Courtney Love, although Shirley Manson is my celebrity crush. The, uh, and the only person I probably have more affection for than Shirley is her husband, Billy. He's like the coolest dude on the planet. Name drop. Uh, <laughs> all right. Question three. Favorite punchline to a joke? Same condition, but better insurance is really the answer. But yeah, it's exactly. a different issue. Of course she's served millions. She's a McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question four. And I'm going to say this. You're two out of three. You missed the accounting question. You nailed Courtney Love. You nailed the best punchline. Question four. In terms of ranking, in terms of placement, what number are you on the list of people I asked to do this podcast. Oh, God. Um, the number's low. I, I feel like... Single digits? No, 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 I don't think so. I think oh, you're I, double I, digits? I, I, I asked 10 people oh, before I, think, I asked I, you? Well, you know, every famous person you've ever met, much less no. So Jewel clearly said no. Jewel's boyfriend said no. Brett Michael said no. Um, Lee Majors was busy. Um, every country star in Nashville said no. Um, I, I hate to yes, break it to you, the uh, the kid that played Eddie Munster, he said no too. <laughs> I kind of look like him, so that's uh, that 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 yeah, call it fifty fifty. Question number five, bringing it all back. What job would you hire me for? You know, I was going to ask you the same question. Um, fashion consultant? <laughs> to, to who? <laughs> to what? So, you know, I have three of my own. And oh, so, you know, okay. it, it's, you know, and, and I guess, you know, we've covered this to death, but if you spend so much on clothes, how do you end up with a hoodie and, and torn jeans is kind of the norm. The, uh, the way I kind of look at it is at the end of the day, what is fashion, right? It is the peacock. Oh, it's God. the red cardinal, right? <laughs> it's to attract the fairer sex, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just kind of thinking the woman that finds this attractive, that's going to be magical. <laughs> and get you arrested. <laughs> And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my best friend, James Fisher. Fish, thanks again for coming in. We'll be back in two weeks where the pod will cover great achievements in energy finance by really short people. I'm Chuck Yates. I'm out.